A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. This episode may contain content not suitable for some audiences, including crimes against children, mentions of suicide, descriptions of a graphic nature, and adult language at times. Listener discretion is advised. On the 1st of December, 1996, at around 10.45pm, a man named Richard Main left Keeper's Cottage in Cooper's Hill, Alve Church, and was just about to get into his car when he heard some alarming noises nearby. It was the sound of a commotion mixed with a woman's calls for help. As Richard walked closer, he saw a young woman standing by the driver's side of a car, covered in blood from head to toe. At her feet, on the country road, lay a man also covered in blood. But unlike the woman, he was totally still and quiet. In horror, Richard ran to call for help. You are listening to True Crime Britain. Join me, Rhiannon, each Wednesday as I tell the solved and unsolved stories of some of the most disturbing, mysterious and heartbreaking crimes committed throughout the United Kingdom. Welcome to this week's episode. Once the authorities arrived at the scene... There was nothing that could be done for 25-year-old Lee Harvey. He was pronounced dead at the scene. His fiancée, 27-year-old Tracy Andrews, was taken to the hospital where she was treated for minor injuries, including a black eye. But before she was taken, 
Tracy told the officers what had happened. She and her husband-to-be had fallen victims to a brutal road rage attack. The subsequent autopsy seemed to confirm that someone had felt illogical rage towards Lee. He had been stabbed altogether 42 times all over his body. The killer had severed Lee's carotid artery and jugular vein, meaning he had no way of defending himself due to the amount of blood loss in a matter of seconds. It was a miracle that Tracy made it out of the senseless attack alive. Less than two days after the death of her fiancé, on the 3rd of December 1996, Tracy appeared at an emotional police press conference, still bruised from the blows she suffered from the killer. Sitting there alongside Lee's parents and holding her mother's hand, Tracy explained the events of that fateful night to the public. On that Sunday, Tracy and Lee had gone for a drink at the Marlbrook pub in Bromsgrove. Once they left in Lee's white Ford Escort, another vehicle, a tatty, dark, F-registered Ford Sierra, began to follow the couple along a dark country road. Apparently, something in Lee's driving had angered the other driver as he began to flash his lights. He drove bumper to bumper and showed signs that he wanted the couple to pull over. As Lee didn't react, eventually the other vehicle overtook his car and forced him to stop just about one mile from his and Tracy's home. Tracy continued the story at the press conference, saying, Lee got out of the car and, quote, there was some sort of argument going on. After a while, it seemed that the situation was calming down as the driver returned to his car. But for reasons unknown, the passenger of the Ford Sierra then got up again, walked over to Lee and began stabbing him repeatedly. When Tracy attempted to help her fiancé, she was insulted and punched in the face. By the time Tracy was back on her feet, the Ford Sierra was gone, and as she described, quote, Lee was making a funny noise, like a gurgling noise. She continued, quote, I held him, I cradled his head, and was just thinking of anything I could do for him. I had taken a first aid course, and I tried to stop the flow of blood. I went into a state of shock, but there was nothing anyone could have done to save Lee. According to Tracy, the person who attacked them, the passenger of the Ford Sierra, was a large man in his mid-twenties with, quote, staring eyes, wearing a dark donkey jacket. To Tracy, it appeared as if the man had taken something, perhaps something stronger than alcohol, due to the fact that, quote, he didn't look normal. Strangely, Tracy mentioned during the press conference 
that the driver of the killer's car was not to blame. Apparently, in the hopes that he would help bring the passenger, the person responsible for Lee's death, to justice. Finally, once Tracy finished her story with tears in her eyes, the police pleaded to the public for any information about the Ford Sierra and any witnesses that may have seen Lee Harvey's Ford Escort that night to come forward. The investigators were pleased when several witnesses soon contacted them, eager to share what they had seen. But the only problem was that none of the statements matched the story of Tracy Andrews. One of the witnesses was a child who lived just across the street from the crime scene. According to her, she had indeed heard an argument that night, but the only voices present were that of one man and one woman. Another witness told the investigators that they had seen Lee's Ford Escort drive past them on the rural road, but there were no other vehicles in sight. Furthermore, the police failed to track down anyone who would have seen the alleged chase or even just remembered seeing a Ford Sierra that night. Despite the fact that the incident took place in a remote location and late in the evening, there had still been other witnesses present, so the authorities found it strange that nobody had seen a second vehicle. But the thing is, it wasn't after the witness came forward that the investigators first started to doubt Tracy's story of the events. It was at the very moment that they first laid their eyes on the crime scene. First of all, Lee's car had been neatly parked on a narrow single-lane country road without any signs of the chase that had supposedly took place. If the other vehicle had really overtaken the couple, there should have been tyre marks on the grass on the edge of the road, but there was absolutely nothing suggesting that any other vehicle was ever there. Another thing that bothered the police was the timeline, and more specifically, how Tracy had utterly failed to offer Lee medical assistance or get any help for almost 10 minutes after the alleged attack. Although Tracy claimed that she was holding Lee and trying to stop the blood flow when Richard Maine saw her, Tracy was standing over Lee next to the car. Tracy also didn't mention anything about the second vehicle to Richard. The deeper the investigators dug, the more details of Tracy's story just didn't add up. Just a day after her emotional press conference, the police had enough evidence to question Tracy as a potential suspect in her fiancé's murder. That very same day, Tracy was rushed to Alexandra Hospital after taking a cocktail of paracetamol, aspirin and tranquilizers in an apparent suicide attempt. 
A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. The overdose, however, didn't delay the inevitable for long. After two days... On the 7th of December 1996, Tracy was in a good enough shape to be released from hospital. She was immediately arrested in connection with the murder inquiry into her fiancé's death and questioned. But, no matter all the holes that were punched in her story, Tracy still held tight to her narrative of a road rage attack and became so distressed during the interview that she needed to be hospitalised again. If Tracy's uncooperation did anything, it further convinced the police of her involvement in Lee's murder. They just needed to put together enough physical evidence to ensure the jury thought the same. Tracy Andrews was eventually charged with the murder of Lee Harvey on the 19th of December 1996. While she awaited her trial, she was freed on bail and continued her pleas to the public to, quote, find the real killer. The investigators and prosecution continued to build a case against her. In the end, it was disturbingly clear all the police and public had witnessed from Tracy since the death of her fiancé was nothing but, quote, an Oscar-winning performance. As the trial began at Birmingham Crown Court in July 1997, the jury were told about Tracy and Lee's tumultuous on-and-off-again relationship, which had started in 1994. After just three months, the couple had moved in together, despite the fact that they had frequent fights and were clearly not the best fit for each other. Both Tracy and Lee were possessive and jealous, and arguments over third parties sometimes escalated into violence. Police were called to the couple's homes more than once, and Lee had told his family members about Tracy's explosiveness. Several relatives, including Lee's mother Maureen, had urged him to end the relationship, if not for himself, for his young daughter. Lee had a daughter from a previous relationship, as did Tracy, but their turbulent household wasn't exactly child-friendly. But as it often goes, the couple didn't listen to others' advice and eventually got engaged a year before Lee's untimely death. That, however, 
didn't make things any better. Lee and Tracy's neighbour testified that on the day of the murder, she heard the couple arguing, just like she had heard many other days before. When Lee and Tracy left for the pub that evening, the argument continued and was still going on when the couple later got back into their car and began their short journey back home. According to the prosecution's version of events, the fight got so bad that Lee had to pull the car to the side of the road and get out to continue the match outside. It was then that Tracy attacked him with a penknife. The murder weapon was never located, but during the investigation, the police discovered a bloodstain inside Tracy's boot which matched the shape of a knife. It was theorised that Tracy had hidden the murder weapon inside her boot after the attack and got rid of it while she was treated at Princess Alexandra Hospital. It had been noted that Tracy spent an oddly long time in the bathroom that night. The forensic team had also found a clump of Tracy's hair in Lee's right hand and determined that the blood on her clothes had been sprayed onto her as if she was on the way to him when an artery was severed. So, Tracy's explanation of her holding Lee while he was bleeding out didn't match the blood pattern. Blood spatter was also found at the back of Lee's car, although Tracy claimed he had been attacked at the front. But despite the mountain of evidence piling up against her, during her three-day testimony, Tracy told the same story about the Ford Sierra and the fat male passenger with staring eyes who killed Lee. At this point, Tracy's family still stood behind her, so much so that they even, according to neighbours, held a premature celebration party, anticipating a not-guilty verdict. That party really was premature. Tracy Andrews was eventually found unanimously guilty of the murder of Lee Harvey on the 27th of July, 1997. She was sentenced to life imprisonment with a recommendation that she serve at least 14 years in prison. Since then, Tracy's press conference appearance filled with crocodile tears has become quite infamous. A chilling example of how a person who had killed her fiancé just hours earlier can sit down and lie to the world. Tracy finally admitted that there never was a road rage attack in April 1999, saying she made up the whole story. But although Tracy acknowledged that she was the one who killed Lee, she claimed she stabbed her fiancé in self-defence 42 times. Despite Lee's mother Maureen Harvey's wish to never see Tracy Andrews have a life outside prison, 
she was eventually released in July 2011. She has since changed her name and undergone plastic surgery to alter her appearance to escape her past. But to Lee's parents, there is no escape. As they told the Birmingham Mail, quote, Some might say Tracy has served her time and deserves a second chance, but she's ruined our lives. There is no second chance for Lee or for us. We are serving life sentences until the day we die. Thank you for listening to this week's episode and thank you for your kind messages of support, feedback, positive reviews and of course your patience. I really do appreciate it and I love reading what you have to say. For transcripts, photos, credits and resources relating to today's episode, please visit www.truecrimebritain.com. If you'd like to access things like ad-free, early release and bonus episodes, I'd love you to consider supporting the show by joining me on Patreon, where you could get access to all that and even more rewards from just £1 a month. You can join now by visiting www.patreon.com forward slash truecrimebritain or see the episode description. Don't forget, you can also like, follow and or subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss a future episode. There are some big cases coming up and I wouldn't want you to miss out. You can also follow me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok and YouTube for regular case updates. Just search for True Crime Britain. If you're already supporting me on Patreon, you can find next week's episode already there waiting for you. I hope you enjoy the rest of your week, and please stay safe. If you are affected by any of the content featured in today's episode, please see the show notes or visit www.truecrimebritain.com where you can find links to further support. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.